Hello there. This is Benny, and this is Kyle, and you're listening to the Doctor's Watcher the podcast, where I didn't come up with something clever to say this time. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching your face as you were saying that, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, where's this going?" <laughs> and it was great. So this is. Of course, a new serial, Mm -hmm. but it is written by a familiar name, David Whitaker. Ah, David Whitaker. Yes. He, he, I think for a while was our um, head of the writer's room, I think. Yeah. David was the first script editor. He also wrote The Edge of Disaster and The Rescue, where they picked up Vicky. Cool. Well, he hasn't been sitting on his hands too long then. Uh He Uh just had a... One one serial between that one and this one, I think, right? Yeah, I um, think. Oh no, no, no! We had, right, a, no, we had we had the rescue, then we had Rome, right? And then Rome we had the, and the, the web planet. The web planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, David's also got some more coming down the line. Uh, I didn't necessarily look at when they're coming, but I did see that he's got several more. So we will be cool. hearing more well, from him. He's been okay so far. Yeah. Um. I mean. I think most of these faves are problematic of this era. Uh, maybe not as problematic as some of the others. So, <laughs> hey, he's got that going for him. <laughs> this particular serial I wanted to mention is actually not on BritBox, where I usually watch, because a couple of the episodes of this serial are missing. Yeah, yeah. I know we've talked about how um, when some episodes are missing, um, then BritBox won't have any of the serial. And yeah, that, that strikes me as an interesting choice, questionable choice. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I can kind of understand why they make that choice, but I don't know that I agree with it necessarily. Yeah, like, let us watch the show. Yeah. Let us watch what there is. This particular episode actually was missing until 1998. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Apparently sometime... Long before 1998, a film collector from New Zealand got somehow got a 16 millimeter print of this episode in his collection, and it just sat there for years and years until wow. in 1998, some Doctor Who fan asked the film collector if he had any Doctor Who in his collection, and he said that he thought he had something called the Lion. So after realizing and confirming that it was indeed this missing episode, the film collector returned it to the BBC, who made a copy of it and sent the original back to the collector. Wow, that's that's real nice of them. <laughs> yeah. So in watching this episode, we have to thank the following people. Bruce Grenville, the film collector. Cool. Thanks, Bruce. Neil Lambus, the Doctor Who fan. Thanks, Neil. (laughs) And Neil's friend Paul Schoons, who apparently videotaped the screening of the film to determine if it was the missing episode. Thanks, Paul. And these are great names, by the way. Yeah. Was it Neil Lambus, Paul Schoons? (laughs) Thanks to Neil Lambus, Paul Schoons, and Bruce Grenville. Bruce Grenville. Those are all... Wonderful names. Great names. If they were Doctor Who characters, then we would be saying, awesome. Well, we are saying that it's awesome. <laughs> so, with that said, let's get to the 22nd episode of Season 2, The Lion. 
Dun 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 dun. Do you recall, or would you like to remind us what the Cliff Dingler was? Yeah, well, we just recorded the uh, the previous one, <laughs> so this is every other episode. It's easy for me to recall. Um, there wasn't a Cliff Dingler in the traditional sense, in that you know the TARDIS just sort of disappeared, and then the Monoptera kind of gave a speech or whatever. But for us, uh, our Cliff Dingler was wondering what this next serial is going to be and speculating about the name of the episode, which was the Lion. Indeed, is this going to be about Richard the Lionhearted, or will it be a series of puns? <laughs> uh, yeah, our, our our lion pun episode came out a, a few episodes ago. Um, in fact, I think it just came out today yeah, was, that we're recording, right? It was released the day that we're recording this. I listened to it just this morning. <laughs> uh, so I hope that you're all enjoying those <laughs> truly awful puns um, as you're listening to it now in our time. And I hope you remember them fondly when you're listening to this in the future. Indeed. We said then and i'll say again now that we would be lion if we said we weren't fans of wordplay <laughs> that was definitely <laughs> worth bringing back <laughs> what, what a delightful part <laughs> so this episode starts out in a forest and cool. my theory holds so far they, <laughs> They had forests in the time of Richard the Lionheart. Indeed. So, a check on that. Two men with swords walk past the camera. Oh, yes, we're doing good. Our, our listeners <laughs> may be aware that they also had swords in the time of Richard the Lionhearted. <laughs> An important detail. <laughs> are, are these people wearing, by any chance, white tabards with red, presumably red, crosses on them? <laughs> uh, they're wearing... Kind of tabardy sort of things, but they don't have any decorations or anything on them. All right. They're, well, they're maybe nondescript. The, maybe the costume department just didn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> Still holding on. So after they pass, two other men with swords come out from hiding behind a tree, and they're wearing turbans. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> And they sneakily follow the first two men. So how racist is this? <laughs> <laughs> just let's let's just start with that. <laughs> um I would say that if you were to imagine what you would expect a sixties stereotypical depiction of say, 13th century Middle Eastern people would be, it's pretty stereotypical and pretty much exactly <laughs> so what you're picturing. It's quite racist. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, all right. Well, um, let's check off that problematic box in the fave column. <laughs> <laughs> we get a little bit of dialogue from these two men, and they think that the two men that they're following, one of them might be the king. 
So they want to like secretly follow and like keep listening into these guys dialogue or whatever. Alrighty. So they leave the area and after they leave the TARDIS materializes and we cut away from the TARDIS to some other men in the forest who are putting a hood onto a hawk. Cool. Just for funsies. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of these men has a big white cross on his chest, and he keeps being addressed as Sire. So <laughs> I, think, uh, I think those two turban guys are about to find what they're looking for. Uh, yeah, this guy does seem like he, he could potentially be a king. We we learn through the conversation that these men have that they are near Jaffa, which is in Israel on the Mediterranean coast, mm-hmm. and that they are trying to defeat Saladin, the Sparrow of the East. Well, uh, I know I was celebrating earlier, so I think we can all safely agree already that I got my guess right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> Richard Coeur de Leon. Uh huh. So one of the one of the first two swordmen from earlier shows up, and he's complaining about hearing strange noises in the forest, and he thinks it's not safe, and that we should head back to Jaffa. But strange this whooshing noises. <laughs> this king seeming guy who we saw a moment ago basically just tells him <laughs> to like chill the fuck out i feel like for the purposes of narration and you know keeping it uh flowing along i think you can start calling him richard (laughs) (laughs) this group moves on from the forest clearing that they're in and you know they they start traveling and the camera pulls back and shows us that the turbaned guys were secretly watching and listening Uh uh-huh we cut back to outside the TARDIS, where everyone has piled out of the ship into the forest that's like immediately surrounding the ship, and Ian and Barbara start to explore a little bit further away. Almost immediately, they see one of the turban-wearing sword guys who kind of starts to like face off toward Ian with his sword drawn. And, of course, they're friendly and welcoming. <laughs> they're definitely being depicted as, you know, the the people to befriend and ally with in this serial. Uh-huh. No, not so much. No, no. <laughs> no chance of that. <laughs> Ian steps in front of Barbara, presumably to protect her, and she gets grabbed and pulled away by someone off-screen who puts their hand over her mouth so she can't shout or anything. Mm. All right. Yeah. Yeah, we're just kind of hitting all of the greatest hits of problematicness here. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Oh, boy. The doctor manages to distract the guy who's facing off against Ian, and Ian uses the distraction to basically just like rush in and knock him out and person of action mm -hmm. they they start to hear sword fighting nearby and they pretty quickly realize that barbara is missing and they can hear the sword fighting getting closer and closer so 
they all like hide in the bushes and whatnot. And as the sword fighting arrives on the scene, we of course see that it is all of the characters that we have seen so far. (laughs) Handy how that works out. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Also, uh, I am I am bracing myself for for seeing Barbara added to like some incredibly stereotypical and racist harem for Saladin. Yeah, there's there's um, definitely just preparing myself for that. <laughs> some some notes of that coming. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, okay. So in this sword fight, a few of the non-turban guys get injured. A few of the European guys, and the doctor and Vicky kind of like pull them into the bushes after they fall. The one who is sort of supporting the King gets hit with an arrow and they both kind of fall to the ground. And then a different guy claims to be King. Saracens, I am the King. I am Malakrik. Huh? Not the King I was expecting. And but I, yeah, I, Okay. <laughs> yeah, he he gets taken prisoner by the Saracens, which I had to look up that term. It's apparently uh, a Christian word for Arab Muslims during the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like, its origin or anything, but that's what it means. It's the term yeah. that they keep using throughout this episode. We get an extended fight sequence where most of the Saracens have left, but one of them is making sure that no one else is left here in the forest. And he finds Ian. So the two of them sword fight for a while. At one point during this fight, Ian pulls back the branch of a tree and lets it smack the other guy in the face. <laughs> a classic sword fighting move. Uh-huh. And then at another point in the fight, Ian is on his back on the ground. He's like moving his head to the side to dodge the other guy's sword. Also classic. A second Saracen shows up. So the doctor picks up a sword and starts fighting as well. Wow. Okay. Ian manages to like bash his opponent with a shield and then he uppercuts him in the jaw, and that knocks him out. Person of action. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, the guy who got shot with an arrow earlier, who's been sort of laying on the ground this whole time, he manages to kind of, like, sit up, and he picks a sword up off the ground, and he throws it like a spear into the chest of the guy that the doctor's fighting. Oh, whoa. <laughs> uh, that's, that's quite a move. Yeah, I thought that was pretty badass and must have been a really good role. Yeah. So with this, as you know, the spear pierces through the Saracen, the combat officially ends and Vicky comes out of hiding. She, Ian, and the Doctor all kind of gather themselves and the Doctor starts piecing together where and when they are by piecing together who the people involved are. Uh-huh. Of course. Did you hear what that man called? Called him? Saracen. Malikwick. Yes, that was the name the Saracens had for King Richard Cordelion. Malikwick. 
Oh, I didn't actually know that. Oh, well. <laughs> uh-huh. The guy who threw the sword to save the doctor is pretty grievously injured from his arrow wound, but he manages to tell them that the guy who got captured as the king isn't actually the king. Oh, gutsy. He tells them to get the belt, and Vicky, like, looks around for a moment and, like, grabs some belt that apparently the doctor recognizes. Of course, yes. I remember. This belongs to his royal master, King Richard. He'll certainly be glad to get this back again. We should be able to get into his favor. Hmm. Well, I, uh... Can't say I've ever been that fond of a belt, but this is probably a nice belt. Yep. Yeah, so they they add the king's belt to their inventory, and the doctor figures, you know, they can use the king's assistant in their new quest that they have, which is to find Barbara. Are they going to, like, uh, administer any sort of medical aid to this guy? Um... They, like, check on him when they first get up to him, and he, like, starts telling them about the belt, but there's they don't really do a whole lot, and I think he's not long for this world. Oh, all right. Well, maybe there's not much they could do. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that they're not just neglecting his wound, um, yeah. and that he would have died even with uh, medical intervention. Ian doesn't want to wait for the king's assistance to find Barbara, so he heads off to start looking for her immediately. Ah, uh, that's that's true love right there. We get a quick shot of Barbara, who is bound and gagged and being taken through the woods. She can hear Ian calling for her, but of course there's nothing she can do to respond. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we get a shot of the actual King Richard, who kind of gets to his feet in the forest and staggers off screen. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the episode. If you like our podcast, please leave us a five star review on iTunes. If you'd like to ask us a question, share your thoughts, or make fun of us, you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at drwatcher. Thanks for listening, and now back to the episode. Cut to sometime later, the knight who saved the doctor by throwing the sword is apparently still alive. <laughs> and still waiting for medical assistance? Uh-huh. He's unconscious now. Apparently, Vicky and the doctor gave him a drug that the doctor had. All right, well, that's something. Yeah. The doctor says that he should be fine later. So, okay. yeah, okay. I, guess, I guess theoretically he'll be okay. <laughs> Ian arrives back. It's been a couple hours, and he's searched all over, and he's found no sign of Barbara. The doctor still wants to try to get King Richard's help, but first he says they need to get costumes. Also, first they have to find King Richard. Right, that I too. I guess first costumes, second King Richard, then get help <laughs> from King Richard. He gives Vicky a cloak to wear, 
as, you know, sort of a, a quick makeshift costume. And the two of them head toward a nearby city to see what they can find, while Ian stays behind and starts assembling a stretcher for the night and basically like keeping guard over the the king's belt inventory item cool we cut back to barbara who is now in a tent with the guy who's not the king they're both prisoners she's no longer bound and gagged and he brings her a bowl of water the the other prisoner brings her a bowl of water yeah okay yeah they've you know they've got like a, a little setup with like you know, a a water pitcher and a little table and stuff in this tent that they're in. Cool. So he brings her some water. She asks what the fuck is going on. And he's like, As for you, I can make no guess. But I am King Richard Coeur de Lyon, leader of the mighty host Scourge of the Infidel. And Barbara's like, uh, I thought King Richard had red hair. And (laughs) this guy's like, Had? Still has if the ruse has worked. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's about how long that ruse lasted. <laughs> <laughs> so he reveals that his name is Sir William de Preu, and he's curious about who Barbara is and why she's there and why her clothing is so weird. So we're thinking like, uh, w- Willarbra? S- Sir Willarbra? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Beryllium. Beryllium? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I I completely yield to I think it's beryllium. Yes. Barbara tells him that she'll tell him everything if he can get her back to the forest. But, of course, there's nothing that he can do about that, like, in this moment. Mm -hmm. He starts wondering what they're going to tell their captors about Barbara and, like, who she is and whatever. And after they think about it for a moment, they decide that since he's pretending to be the king, the queen probably wouldn't be traveling with King Richard, but his sister might. So Barbara is going to pretend to be Princess Joanna. Sure. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) About this time, one of their captors enters the tent and asks if they have been treated compassionately as Saladin has commanded. Well, that's cool. I mean, for, for all the, you know, probably quite racist depiction of these characters that we're going to be getting, at least, at least that's something. Yeah, definitely. Sir William says that he has been, but his sister here got kind of roughhoused. This Saracen is basically like, oh, sweet, I've got the king and his sister, That means I can please both the Sultan and his brother, who's a total horndog for Princess Joanna. Uh, Well, um, (laughs) yeah, I was talking about, well, okay, well, that was at least something at least not completely racist. And and the the writers probably heard me, you know, felt the vibe down through the the decades and were like, oh, God, I can't have that. (laughs) We cut over to the city that the doctor and Vicky went to, and the doctor heads into a shop selling 
Silks, satins, fine robes, rich silks, satins from Basra, fine robes, silks, satins, and the finest robes in Jaffa. <laughs> Listeners, just so you know, Kyle, Kyle did that for quite a while. <laughs> and Benny, just so I, I, you I know. I assume it was quite a long voice clip too, but yeah. uh, Kyle went for it. Just so you know, that's about half of the actual line. <laughs> they just like they just let him talk for a while. Uh-huh. You gotta fill those. What is it? Twenty-two minutes about for each episode. <laughs> fill that time somehow. So the doctor heads into the shop. Vicky just kind of sits outside the shop, right near the entrance. The doctor starts browsing the wares while the shopkeeper admires the doctor's coat. But pretty soon, the shopkeeper is distracted by the arrival of someone with clothing to sell to the shopkeeper. And it pretty quickly becomes apparent that this clothing was not necessarily obtained legally or illicitly. Mm-hmm. Such clothes as these are difficult for me to sell. Just give me my money. I am afraid that I may sell them to the person you took them from. <laughs> well, sounds like this guy's been... Uh at this particular scam for a while. Yeah, for sure. They they both know what's going on. They're, you know, just kind of haggling over how much the shopkeeper's going to pay the thief for these stolen clothes. The doctor sort of, you know, overhears this exchange. And he's like, those are my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. He actually decides to himself that if something has already been stolen, it's fine for it to be stolen again. That, that tracks. Or perhaps borrowed, shall we say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, love those hmms. Uh-huh. So he hides under a table in the shop and grabs a bunch of items, like, off the table, and then he, like, ties a rope around the leg of one of the display tables and he pulls the rope which causes the display table to collapse and the shopkeeper starts you know lamenting all of his fine silks that have fallen into the mud and during this distraction the doctor tosses all of his stolen goods like out the shop door to vicky and also, that's what happens when you, you know, set up shop on a field of mud. <laughs> uh-huh. Surely there was somewhere else you could have been doing this. So once Vicky has received all of the stolen goods, the doctor basically, like, makes himself known to the shopkeeper again, who had thought that he left, and just, like, thanks him and promises to be back and heads out. <laughs> Not suspicious at all. Uh-huh. The guy who had been talking to Barbara and Sir William earlier, we learned that his name is Al-Akir. He's now talking to Safadin, who's the brother of Saladin, who's the sultan. Apparently, Saladin is also listening, but he's like hidden behind a curtain. And if he likes what he hears and what Al-Akir has to say then he'll come out to speak with Alakir directly. Gotcha. I think I follow. 
Alakir is explaining that he's got a couple of pretty awesome prisoners. One of them, the king of the English, Malakrik. He claps his hands and some servants bring Sir William into the room. The lion is in our cage. Cool. That's not a bad line. Mm Mm-hmm. He explains that he also has... A priceless stone I bring to lay before you as your heart desires. The sister of the Malakwik. Here for your command. And he claps his hands again, and Barbara gets escorted into the room. Safadin immediately recognizes that she isn't Princess Joanna. That's probably for the best, given what we heard earlier. Yeah. He's been stalking Princess Joanna's Instagram for months, so of course he knows what she looks like. With with this revelation, Saladin comes out from the curtains and confirms that this is not King Richard either. <laughs> Zero for two. <laughs> A blacker head of red gold hair I never saw. You have the better bargain, brother. She may not be the princess, but her beauty lights the room. Nice. Well, uh, at least Barbara can know that historical figures find her hot, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I guess this is the second historical figure who's found her hot. Well, the first one was even more problematic, so yeah. maybe she prefers to keep that number low, actually. <laughs> yeah. Sir William explains to Saladin that he took on the king's identity in order to save the king's life. And that Barbara has nothing to do with anything except for pretending to be Joanna just now as part of Sir William's bruise. Saladin basically, like, thanks Sir William for, like, being noble and whatnot. Cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Alakir starts talking about, like, you know, he could still use Barbara for, you know, Saladin and Safadin's entertainment, maybe like make her walk on hot coals or shit like that. But Saladin is not into this. That's that's probably for the best. Yeah. He asks Barbara what she thinks of it. And she says something about it sounding like a punishment for fools. And Saladin says something about, you know, wondering who the biggest fool here is and looks right at Elak here. The fool or the fool who follows him. Saladin has Sir William taken away. Go with Sir William. Let me hear you've treated him like a brother. Let him have all liberty, except liberty itself. He's like, all right, that's a little hard to uh, parse there, but I'll see what I can do. (laughs) Uh He starts asking Barbara what her deal is, and she says that she's a traveler with three friends and that they arrived in the woods in a box. Accurate. Uh-huh. He asks her to continue, and she's like, Well, I could say that I'm from another world, a world ruled by insects. And before that, we were in Rome at the time of Nero. Before that, we were in England far, far into the future. Now I understand you and your friends, your players, entertainers. <laughs> Saladin's like, that sounds like a good premise for a TV show. <laughs> and if they ever make a podcast out of it, I'll leave it five stars on <laughs> iTunes and Apple Podcasts. He decides to keep her around to tell stories, you know, maybe like 25 minutes or so of a story 
you know, <laughs> one night a week for several weeks. And if he likes what he hears, she can stay. Like Scheherazade. Over whose head hung sentence of death. Okay, well, no pressure then. Uh-huh. We cut back to King Richard's head cue, where a servant is trying to treat King Richard's head wound, but Richard is more interested in being upset at the circumstances. Brothers de Letave dead, de Marin dead, Sir Richard de Preo taken. What have I left but one wounded friend and a sore head? Yep, time to, time to load your save there, bud. <laughs> uh-huh. The doctor's like, uh, you've got this, and gives him the king's belt inventory item. <laughs> Suddenly he's like, oh, cool, <laughs> that's all I really wanted. Uh-huh. You know, Richard doesn't care. He's too pissed off about his dead friends, okay. which, yeah, that, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> I would also care more about my dead friends than a cool belt. Mm-hmm. As as one of your friends, I appreciate that, Kyle. <laughs> and and uh, same back at you. <laughs> He's also pissed off about his brother John, who wants to usurp the throne, and has been trading with France, who Richard hates. A tragedy of fortunes, and I am too much beset by them. A curse on this! A thousand curses! It's okay, bro. Go, uh, go pet a cat for a while. <laughs> I find that always helps me. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Ian wants to ask him about getting some help to go save Barbara, but the doctor's like, uh, maybe we should like wait until he calms down a little bit. <laughs> but Ian, person of action, doesn't want to wait. So he goes up to Richard starts engaging him in dialogue and explains that there's a fourth member of their party and that Ian wants an escort to Saladin's head queue so he can go rescue Barbara and Sir William as King Richard's emissary. Well, that's very brave of him. Um, I guess he feels like he has to try something, but... I feel like that plan could maybe use a little more workshopping, maybe add a few more steps or like, you know, an actual plan. Yeah. There. Yeah. The entire plan as presented at this point is basically send an escort quest to bring me to Saladin's head queue. Step three profit. <laughs> uh-huh. It turns out the doctor was right. King Richard is too pissed off to consider it. Understand this. This woman can rot in one of Saladin's prisons until her hair turns white before I'll trade with the man that killed my friends. Dang. And with this, the words, next episode, the Knight of Jaffa appear on screen. just thinking uh i think when we did the uh, season one wrap-up episode or at, at some point when we were talking about the french revolution serial we were like 
speculating about what other cereals or other historical cereals uh, we might see. And I think that the Crusades might have been one of them. And I think Rome was another one. I'm so. pretty sure, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think you predicted Roman Crusades. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think I deserve a whole lot of credit for either <laughs> of them because they both seem pretty obvious, but it seems they were obvious to the Doctor Who writers as well. Uh-huh. The Crusade, by the way, is the official name of this serial. I'm pretty sure oh, it is Crusade yeah, Singular. Huh. They're, you know, not trying to be creative with this one. <laughs> <laughs> also, I guess that, you know, it only spans a single crusade, so... Yeah, yeah that's true. Fair. All right, cool. Um, so how are we doing so far in this serial, Kyle? Is this a, is this a fun one? Uh, um, is it, well, maybe problematic as well but how's it all coming coming together yeah i mean only one episode in so far uh i have seen a few more but you know have not watched them in a little while and have not taken any notes on them yet but Mm -hmm. yeah so far i would say that you know in spite of the problematic elements this one has been fairly entertaining for the first episode also like it sounds I would assume, at least based on what you've said so far, that it's been pretty cheap to produce because, first of all, <laughs> it takes place mostly out in the woods. Um, uh-huh. And as anyone who's ever seen a Star Wars fan film knows, that's probably the cheapest possible filming location. Um, and then I guess the 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 um, Saracen camp, I'm sorry, we're using that term, I don't think it's a particularly after or a good term to be using uh for for saladin and his his peeps over there um but it sounds like that's just basically tents so yeah pretty, pretty, pretty much cheap in terms of uh, set design so far yeah. and then not a, like how many how many extras have we seen um i would guess i would say there's probably five to ten extras <laughs> you know, we've seen like a, uh, a, a small a group of crusaders <laughs> and a, a small group of saracens yeah and right. you know in the scene where barbara and sir william are talking to safadine you know there's like some sort of background harem folks and and servant folks in the saracen tent and that sort of thing uh-huh well all right cool um yeah i guess all right well i guess next time um we get to find out who the knight of jaffa is um did you have any other notes for us before we sign off nope not on this one all righty well um see you in two weeks listeners bye The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit 23 for the awesome theme song he made for us. You can hear it and the rest of his music at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. You can reach him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. I would like to thank Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and I would like to thank all you listeners for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. You can reach us by email at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com and on Twitter at Dr. Watcher. If you enjoyed the program, 
please tell all your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm a traveler. I came with three friends. We arrived in the wood. You rode into the wood? No. You walked into it? Not that either. You arrived? Yes. In a box. In a box? Ah, you were carried into the wood. Yes.